much, uh, Jonathan, and uh, we pray all those prayers uh, to God in his son's name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We've had the first dose this morning, right up to the afternoon. Now we're in for the second. Let us put our hands together as we welcome uh, Ginny uh, to come for the second session. Let's put our hands together. Don't, don't clap. Don't clap me. Don't clap me. <laughs> yes, Sir Jesus. I don't need a clap. So, we like being in control, don't we? I do. Especially driving, if anybody has been a backseat driver. Actually, a lot of my friends are backseat drivers. <laughs> Not mentioning any names. <laughs> I forgot to introduce you to Lizzie. Lizzie, stand up and say hello to everybody. This is my friend Lizzie. So we always come away together to minister together. So throughout the day, do chat to Lizzie as well if you want to. And um, she's up here ministering to people as well. So, yeah. So we like being in control. Think of the dentist chair. I'm doing terrible things to you, aren't I? <laughs> vomit. We've gone from vomit now to the dentist chair. You're pinned backwards in a chair with that horrible thing around your neck. The drill is in your mouth. And we know, ultimately, we're going to be better after, don't we? We're going to be made better, but we avoid it. But even if it hurts, we try to overcome the pain so we don't have to go to the dentist. And sometimes we resist that God's healing in our lives because we want to be in control. We want to know what risk there's going to be before we allow him to do anything. But part of our salvation is healing. <clears throat> healing the whole of us, not just our bodies. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. So God's will is acting in us, but we have to work it out. And sometimes we, we, we come for, say, prayer ministry, or we, we, you know, lots of healing I received was me and the Holy Spirit. That's one of the reasons why I wrote that book, that first book, Let the Healing Begin, was because, um, as well, I realized a lot of people don't have prayer ministry in their church. But we can also, if we have got prayer ministry in our church, we can get so used to keep coming up for prayer ministry and we, we're sort of like forgetting that actually the Holy Spirit is with us all the time. We can just access the Holy Spirit at home or anywhere, or in the car or anywhere. We can ask him to bring us healing. And I received so much just me and the Holy Spirit, as well as a lot, you know, where I was ministering to other people or they were ministering to me. But we're supposed to take responsibility for it and do something. So Jesus told people sometimes to do something, didn't he? He said, like, go and wash your eyes in the river, you know, to that man. And um, he said them for, to do something as well. And we have to choose to go on the journey of that healing. And it'll be bit by bit. You know, I told you it's a process, it's a journey. But some of the stuff in the way needs working through, or we need to make a choice. And to do that... It's good to do it out loud when we make a choice and not let it just go round and round in our head because the enemy, Satan, he will always whisper, yeah, you thought you did that, but you didn't really. You know, he's, he's a liar and he's a deceiver, you know, and he's a thief and he's a load of other stuff as well. And he will try and stop us, you know. So we need to say it out loud because then we hear ourselves and we know we've done it, you know, and we're also declaring um, to the enemy. I'll tell you what Satan really hates is obviously worship, prayer, love, God, and us. You know, he, they're the things he mainly ha hates. So I just thought it'd be quite good fun, just at this minute, I didn't know I was going to do this, but let's make the enemy really scared now, and we're going to shout Jesus three times, okay? One, two, three. Jesus! 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 Oh, he's shaking now in his boots. So, during this seminar, you know, we might stop and just say little prayers or might make little choices. So we have to be willing to do something. So let's make a choice right now, okay, to do that. Now, if you're thinking, I'm not going to do that, I'm not trying to coerce you or, you know, it's up to you what you do. You're your, yourself, you know, you can choose whether you do this or not. But let's just pray, and for those who want to. Holy Spirit, just thank you that you live in me. Please come and show me any blocks in the way of me receiving healing from you today. This is something we can say often. 
I offer up to you, Jesus, my mind, my emotions, and my will. Just say it in your own way. I need your transforming power. I need your healing touch and your presence. And I choose to open up my memories to you as far as I am able. I want more of you in my life, in the past, Lord, things that have happened to me, as well as in the present. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'll be in the future, too. Amen. So when something bad happens to us in our life, we usually want someone to blame, don't we? I don't know if you realize that, but we always want to blame someone. Or if we don't blame someone, the somebody that's hurt us, we blame God. I always think that's really weird in a way because we never blame the devil. You know, we, I, we usually blame ourselves quite easily. We're quite good at doing that. Sometimes, because people have really hurt us, if they've abused us in way, some way and they were people that loved us or love us, then we never seem to blame them. But we quite happily blame God. And we often blame the person who loves us the most. You know, but I do find that strange that we never actually get angry with the devil or even blame him for anything. But sometimes um, the scariest thing is we think either God is to blame or we think he was powerless to help us at the time when we most needed him. But God's way is perfect. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 22 verse 31 and in Psalm 18 verse 30 that God is perfect. So if we're blaming God, it's like we're putting a barrier up. We're putting a barrier up between us and God. And then it means we can't receive healing from him. And we wonder why we can't. But we're actually stopping it. Stopping it. So maybe we blame God because he didn't rescue us or you don't trust him. Because sometimes if we lose our trust in people, we often extend that to God as well. Maybe he thought you, he was punishing you. I thought that with my first baby. And it wasn't until I my little girl that drowned. It wasn't until she died and in the hospital there was a nurse standing there. She was a really big lady with really big boobs. You know, I'm telling you that for a reason. And, um, and I said to her, God's punishing me again. He punished, punished me once before when my baby was born dead. And she got hold of me and she was an Afro-Caribbean nurse, so this is why she said it like she did. And she got hold of me and she pulled me into those two big pillows of hers. <laughs> and I tell you, I've never been held by anything so comforting before. I was this person. It was wonderful. And she said to me, Honey, our God, he just doesn't work that way. Or he don't, don't work that way, she said to me. And it was like, I knew that was true. And what she said came right inside me and it got rid of that horrible lie that God was punishing me. And what's so sad is that I never saw that woman again, and I would have loved to have said to her, you know, when I became a Christian, that, and I was just saying to her, do you know what you did? What you did was more than holding me. You spoke truth to me against a lie, and you actually immediately took that away, and I didn't blame God. Um, So, yeah, that was amazing. God puts people in our way, doesn't he? And when we don't even know him, he puts people in our way to, to bring us something from him. But, you know, none of these things are true that God punishes us. He gives us free will. And the person that hurt us, he gave them free will to do what they did. They had a choice. Everybody has a choice. In the same way as when we become a Christian, we have a choice whether we say yes to him or we say no. Jesus weeps with us when we hurt, like he did with his friend Lazarus when his Lazarus died. He knew within the hour he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But when he saw the distress of all those mourning him, you know, because Jesus, you know, decided to put aside some of that divinity, you know, he's completely divine, but he also became man. And he knew what he was going to do, but when he saw those mourning him, mourning him, that he was caught up in that, where he was joining in with their distress. But we need to lay the blame at the feet of whoever hurt us. Let our pain surface, express it, And then we need to ask God to forgive us for how we feel about that person, whether it's hatred or bitterness 
or whatever it is. Being angry is not a sin. I'll come on to that in a minute. And then we need to extend that forgiveness that we've just received to the one that's hurt us. And we have to keep forgiving them till it doesn't hurt anymore. So we need to ask him, you know, who is there somebody that I've that I've blamed you for and I shouldn't have blamed you. I should have put the blame where it belonged and let that pain surface. So we need to say sorry to him. And the way we can do that is just come to the cross, Jesus standing at the cross, and just say to him, I'm so sorry I did that. And then think of the person that hurt you standing there. And with what you've received, extend it. It's much easier to do it in that way. But what we can often do is turn that blame inside and then it becomes guilt. We then have guilt. Psychologists say that people who feel the most guilty are Christians. Did you know that? That's like weird really, isn't it? Because Jesus became the guilt offering on the cross. He did it for us. We're supposed to know that we're forgiven and free, but a lot of us don't. And we could have had stuff happen to us that repeat playing in our minds. It's like a video you know, um, going over and over. We can be a prisoner to guilt. As well as captive, we can be a prisoner. And it can get in the way of our healing. I carried an awful lot of guilt, but I didn't realise it um, when our little girl drowned because we had a pool in our garden. It was basically a concrete hole, you know, but it needed a net and it needed two of us to cover it and we hadn't covered it from the weekend. And she fell in the pool and drowned. It only takes two minutes for a young child to die, apparently, to drown. And the thing was, I always was saying, when I became a Christian, which was um, of just a while after that, um, I was always saying sorry to Jesus. And one day I was ironing, and as I was doing the ironing, I was listening to a tape. There used to be things called cassette tapes. Did anybody remember those in the room? There's quite a few of you, I think, that will remember. Others haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, but it doesn't matter, just go with it. And um, so on this tape, there was this man talking, and I was dying, ironing, I was saying, I'm so sorry, Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry that, you know, I'm supposed to look after her, and, and that happened, because I went to the door to answer the door, and I thought she was following me, and she didn't. She turned back into the garden. And then I was saying sorry over and over. And suddenly the voice on the tape said, if you keep saying sorry to Jesus for the same thing and don't receive forgiveness, it's like saying that what Jesus did for you wasn't enough. It's like saying you know better. It's like crucifying him over and over. And I started to laugh. I didn't realise, you know, you don't expect that to come out of a, a thing, do you? It's talking to you. And what I'd been doing. And I went, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I kept saying sorry. You know, and then I laughed again about what I was doing. And I realized I just needed to make a choice. And Jesus forgave me, obviously. You know, he didn't blame me. It was an accident. It was an accident that was happening, that happened. But then I had to forgive myself. And often, how do you do that? We, we receive forgiveness, but really we don't because we don't forgive ourselves. So we're still not receiving it. We just do it in part. And I realized I had to lay down the big stick that I hit myself with. And we're very good at doing that. So I came to the cross and I laid it down at Jesus' feet. Or I put it in his hands. I can't remember now. So let's just pray and just ask him. Now we're just going to do these little prayers as we're going because we have prayer ministry at the end. But it all helps to get us into that place of just letting go. So Jesus, I'll just ask you now, is there anything else I've held on to where I'm a prisoner to guilt or shame. Something I blame myself for. Search me, Lord. Bring it to the surface, anything that I keep blaming myself for. It might be he's even showing you something now. Why don't you bring it to him? Think of it in your hands as a word or something and just bring it to him at the cross. I just put it into his hands. He's big enough. He went on the cross for that. So you didn't have to hold it. Just give it to you, Lord. You can do it later if it comes to you later. Thank you, Lord, that what you did was enough. Amen.
What if you're carrying around with your false guilt? That means somebody else said it was your fault. I've heard people of abuse saying, my uncle said um, I was very provocative when I was four and it was my fault that he abused me. How can that be? Can't be, can it? But that child probably grew up thinking it was their fault. So we need to hear that from God. It wasn't your fault. Children are very impressionable and they may have been told by an adult that something their fault and believed it. Just I want you to think of yourself as a child. It doesn't matter what age you are. You think it or you can see it. Was there a lie that you believed that you were told it was your fault? It might have been anything. Don't try and conjure it up. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Was there a lie that I believed, Holy Spirit? Was there a lie I believed? Show me what that was. Lord, I pray today that that, Lord, that you break the power of that lie and you bring freedom and release in that. And that might be something later on you might want to tell someone so that they break the power of that over you. And that you can choose the opposite, the truth, like I chose the truth. Amen. So I'm rushing through some of these things because we've only got three sessions. We probably need about three days, really, but never mind. So fear is a bit like, think about it, hanging on to the edge of a cliff with both hands and you won't let go, even though just below you there's a ledge that you can just let go and you'll land on it quite easily. But fear can stop us. It can make us incapable of action. And sometimes our hands are so full of fear that we can't hold on to Jesus' hands because we have to let go of that. We have to let go of it. But fear has been given to us. It's been given to us by God. It's so that we'll run away if we're in danger. If the, if the danger is bigger than us, like a fire or a flood, we'll run away from it. The trouble is we can get into a cycle of fear and there's no danger, anxiety. Fear has been described as false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. That could be quite helpful to even say that out loud when we start feeling it. I've done that. You know, because our brain, it's, apparently it all happens in the amygdala, part of our brain, and that's where um, fear is and um, some memories are in there as well. And um, it's, it's something that's given to us, but sometimes it just goes overboard. It just gets out of sync, you know. And so it becomes a cycle. Anxiety can become a cycle. And we're reacting in case there's a danger. There's not a danger, but we're, it's like our body's getting ready in case there's a danger. And then obviously it's all shooting around in our body, you know, our adrenaline to get us all ready. It's a perceived danger. It's not really happening. It's a fear it might happen. So throughout the pandemic, fear and anxiety was huge. And for some of us, it's still there a bit, you know. For me, um, I was already a bit anxious after my husband died. And then two years after the pandemic started, and that went into overdrive, living on my own, which I wasn't used to doing after 48 years. And so the Lord showed me um, some uh, strategies I could use. So I'd set those up when I was feeling okay, so that when it hit, then I did things. One of the things I did was colouring. So I'd put all the pens out on this beautiful colouring book, and then I'd go over and I'd start doing it, because it used a different part of your brain. So it just switches out from that. And so even saying out loud, this is just my brain, it's getting me ready for something, there is no danger, there's nothing to fear. You know, and saying things out loud is really good because we can hear it and it, it's calming when we start saying things out loud. <clears throat> oh yeah, so uh, memories are also in the amygdala. Uh, fear um, is emotions and the way we process things. So sometimes I put my hands on my head. It's sort of up the top here somewhere. Don't quite know where. I'm not a doctor. Don't need to be. But it's up here somewhere. So sometimes I, I didn't realise I'd do that with people anyway, or sometimes here. But if you put your hands on your head and you just invite the Holy Spirit to come, so you used to do that. 
I just shut your eyes and just say, Holy Spirit, please come. Do you do it lightly? It's really, I can feel it going right through my body. It's like amazing. Put your hands down. It didn't say that in the Bible, does it? Put your hands on yourself. But one day I just thought, I'm going to try it. Try anything once, you know, sort of like see. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, it's wonderful. So we can do that. Or just put our hand lightly on the front of our head sometimes. Just ask the Holy Spirit to come. I want to tell you about a guy I met. His name was Dave. He had his obsessive... I realised, sorry, my illustrations, sometimes it's all about women for some reason. There seems to be a lot about men today. Sorry, men, nothing personal. But um, there's this guy, and he's obsessive-compulsive disorder. And he couldn't keep still. I'd never seen anybody do this before. And he was talking, and he was going like this all the time, move his feet, his body. He was, he was like doing this. What I didn't realise, the carpet had lines all over it. And for him, his compulsion was about the line, so he couldn't stand it. So it was really disturbing him. So um, he said, if he didn't keep, if he didn't stop, if he stopped, if he didn't keep moving, he felt that something bad was going to happen. That was his thought. That was his obsession. And so I said to him, when into my head came the word guilty, and God gives you things like that sometimes, called a word of knowledge, something supernaturally not known. It's not known humanly speaking. And so he said, yes. And I said, what? What happened? And he said, I took my exams and I cheated. He said, and it's just left to be feeling so heavy with this guilt. So why don't you bring that to Jesus standing at the cross? So he did that. And he said, sorry, and he received forgiveness. And then he's, he started feeling a bit cut. His body started, stopped doing all that so much. And I said to him, when did your OCD start? Were you scared of something years ago? That came into my head. And he said, yes, I was on this terrifying ride. Um, like one of those great big things, you know, goes all up and down and terrible. I would never go on one of those. He said, I thought I was going to die, he said. And so I said to him, why don't you invite Jesus to come there and be with you in that memory? Because Jesus can be with us, you know, in the past, in the present or the future. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. So he, he didn't try and conjure Jesus up he actually asked him to come and be there. And so um, he did that. And I said, I waited for a little while, I was praying, my husband and I were praying for him. And, he, and I said, What's going, what happened? And he said, oh, it was great. He said, it's like Jesus was sitting next to me. He said, and it was like, he's like my friend. You know, he said, I've never seen Jesus. I've known him like that before. He said, and it was so wonderful. He said, we actually enjoyed it. He said, and Jesus put his arms up in the air like everybody did. You know, and he said, and we went on the ride. And he said, I actually enjoyed it. He said, it was amazing because I knew I was safe with him. I said, well, that's wonderful. And then I had a feeling that there was something else. And I said, just ask Jesus, was there something else that happened to you? So he shut his eyes and asked Jesus. And he said, yes. I said, what was it? And he said, I was in bed fast asleep. He said, it was three o'clock in the morning. My dad came into the room, switched on the light. He said, I woke up to my dad saying to me that we had an intruder in the house. We'd had an intruder, he said. And, um, but it, it was okay now because he'd gone. <laughs> fancy waking somebody up. Fancy waking a child up and telling a child that we had an intruder in the house, but don't worry about it, you know? What's the thing he's going to do when he shuts his eyes? You know, he's not even shut his eyes, is he? So... Um, I said to him, what happened? And he said, how did you feel? And he said, I felt invaded. I said, well, I'm not surprised. I said, why don't you just now just come to Jesus and just invite him to come into that room? Just go to the door and just open the door to Jesus and just invite him to come in. And so he did that. And he, I said, what happened later on? What happened? And he said, Jesus sat on my bed he said, and what, how did it feel? And he said, I felt really calm. He said, it was lovely. And he said, Jesus said, I'm going to sit here and you go to sleep and I'm going to stay here. He said, and, and that made a difference to him in his life. Um, later on, you know, he got in touch and he said, you know, that was something he could do now. And I said, is there anything else you're afraid of? And he said, in the future, he said, I'm having exams next month he said and exams obviously I cheated last time so I'm not going to do that again but um so I said to him well Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever he can come in to our tomorrows you know why don't you see that exam room in your mind's eye or think about it and go to the door 
and just took him through that exercise and then just said to him, why don't you go to the door and invite Jesus to come in? And he did. And he said, um, I said, what's happening? And he just explained what was happening in this room. And he said that Jesus went first of all and he sat where the adjudicator sat. And he said, and I sat on his lap. He said, and it felt really safe. He said, and then he took me to the table and he sat next to me, he said, in the exam room. And I said, how's it feel now? And he said, it feels calm. And I said, but you can do that again. I said, you can do that any time. Those things that you've done on the ride and in your bedroom and in that exam room, you can do anywhere. He'll always come. I've done it in the dentist. Incredible. I, Holy Spirit came on me so much, I was drunk. You know, I couldn't even hardly get sit up to take the drink, you know, to swish my mouth out at the end. Because um, I was terrified because I'd had three injections already and she said I couldn't have any more. <laughs> and it was still hurting. So, yeah, so then with this guy, so what was going on with him, with these things that had happened to him? Um, so after, oh, sorry, after the exam, then he said he felt amazing. And he said, it's not peace. It's not peace I'm feeling. He said, it's, it's different to peace. He said, it's so still. He said, like, what you didn't realize, he said, and I didn't say, is my head is always busy. It's busy. He said, it's never still. And I've got this amazing stillness, but that is flooding my body. He said, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever felt like this before. And so then he, he confessed his sin, his guilt, and also his shame, you know. And he, he threw down the stick that he hit himself with. I mentioned that earlier. He did that. And he took off garments of shame because when we've been shamed, they're like dirty clothes, they're filthy clothes. And when we, somebody abuses us in some way, it could be with our mouth, you know, it could be violently they hit us or that sexually or, or neglect us or whatever. It's like we put on these clothes of shame and we wear them. And we need to take them off. We're the only person that can take that off. No one can pray that off you. You have to physically choose to take that off. You come to the cross and you give it to Jesus. You give it to him. And then you receive from him what he wants to give you in exchange. And it's different for different people, what they experience at that moment. But we're supposed to be clothed with Christ. We're not supposed to be clothed with shame. That shame is not for us to have. So this guy, what happened with him? The fear of death was on the ride, wasn't it? Our fears usually boil down to three main fears. The fear of death, the fear of being powerless, or the fear of being alone. His was the fear of death on the ride. What happened? Jesus came alongside him. In the Bible it says, Jesus said, I will never leave you. We have eternal life. It's a forever life. The fear of being powerless. He felt completely powerless and invaded. Jesus visited him and sat on his bed. That's when we're most vulnerable, is when we go to bed, when we go to sleep. The fear of being alone. Jesus had visited him in the future. Jesus said, I'll be with you always, didn't he? So all those fears, there's an answer to those in the Bible. You know, we need to be, when we these fears come, ask, well, where did that fear come from? Where does that boil down to? Does it boil down to the fear of death, the fear of being powerless, or the fear of being alone? We're, we no, have no need to be, we might be frightened of how we'll die, but we have no need to have the fear of death because we have eternal life the fear of being powerless, Jesus gathered the disciples together and he gave them power and authority in his name. We have the power and authority in the name of Jesus. Fear of being alone. We can't ever be alone. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We have an eternal life. So we have to combat these things and we say it out loud. That is not true. Angels appeared to many people saying, don't be afraid. Jesus said to people, don't be afraid. It's making a choice. I choose not to be afraid. I'm not going to live with this anymore. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. That fear has to do with punishment. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So... Maybe we haven't received the perfect love of God. You know, we need to receive the perfect love of Jesus and let go of the fear and grab hold of the perfect love. Okay, I want you to just think or see yourself in a room at home. 
you might not like it at home. There might be not a safe place at home. Maybe see a room at somebody else's house where you do feel more close. Would you think of it or see it in your mind's eye? And now just go to the door and invite Jesus in. He says, I'm knocking on the door. I want to come in. I want to come in and eat with you. It's what he does with his friends. It's an intimate thing. He wants to come in. Just invite him into that room, that place. This might be an opportunity where you might just tell him what you're afraid of. You can say anything to Jesus. He knows anyway, but it's good to talk to him. He's bigger than we think. In Jesus' name, I put the cross of Christ between you and that fear now. And I break the power of it. And I tell it to stop it now. Stop it and be gone. Just let go of it so you can grab hold of that perfect love. Your love, Lord, is bigger than. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can always go to that place. It's a place you can always go to. If that worked for you, it's somewhere you can always go. Anger. It's okay to get angry. Often Christians think it's sinful to be angry. It's not sinful to be angry. God has given us anger. He's given it to us as a safety valve. He's given it to us because anger causes action. Loads of things happen to our body. When we get angry, loads of things. I remember my um, son-in-law, um, my grandson, I should say, Ted, um, and he said, um, Nana, he said, um, I think I'm an alien. I said, do you? Why is that? He said, kids at school said, if you've got an E in your surname, then you're an alien. And he had a C in, in E in his surname. And it was like, tell me about that. So, um, and he said, well, I, 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 think, um, I think my dad's an alien. So I said, why do you think your dad's an alien? And he said, because sometimes if I do something wrong, he said, um, he suddenly gets enormous. He said, he, he suddenly grows, he said. And then he goes, all this purpley color in his face. He said, then his eyes start really bulging out. And I said, no, darling, that's not daddy being an alien, that's daddy being angry. I said, it's all right for daddy to be angry because we get angry sometimes. But anger causes us to do action. You know, it's supposed to be, um, it gets us ready, you know. If somebody was just about to punch us in the face, you know, it's like would come up suddenly, you know, it's our defense, I suppose, if you like. But it's what we do with it is important. I just want to tell you a really good way of what to do with anger. That's a really good way. Oh, it's hurt my throat now. That's <coughs> such a good way. Such a good way. We often don't do that, do we? In this country, we don't. We tend to go, and we swallow it. We swallow it so bad. Anger is so bad for us when we swallow it. Or we let it change to something else. We let it change to bitterness. And then we keep hold of it. It changes to hatred, and then that changes to revenge. We think it, and then we want to do it, and it changes to violence. And then after violence, if we still keep it going on and on and on for a long while, it can change to murder, and we don't want anything to do with those things. But it's good to let it out. I often do it, you know. Or you can do it physically, a physical thing with your body to get it out of you, you know, play sport, whack a ball, or kick a ball, or whack a ball, or run on the spot, you know, or run, or um, get hold of a, something and try and rip it, you know, really massive. You used to have those great big telephone books, don't have those now, but, you know, rip the life out of something, or punch something, you know, a pillow, or something like that. Such a good way. But the Bible does say, in your anger, do not sin. That's abusive words, you know, and violence. But it says, don't let the sun go down your anger. So don't give the devil a foothold. 
And that's the thing we worry about. We think getting angry means the devil's going to do something to us, you know. But actually, we can let it out in various ways. But as a child, when a child is angry, often you see it, don't you? But say if you got angry and, and you were in your family and you were hit if you got angry or something else, you were shut away. I've heard of people being shut in cupboards, all sorts of things. You know, then, or if you had a parent and it was modelled to you as being violent, anger's violent, you don't want anything to do with anger. So you would have made a choice. I'm not going to get angry because I can see it's destructive. And so we don't. But what that does to us internally, it makes us ill. It makes people physically sick, you know. It causes illness. So we need to deal with it. We don't carry it over to the next day. But as a child, with some of us, we've carried it and we've kept it in our bodies for years. I didn't realise I didn't used to get angry. I didn't know that until I was writing my first book. And I was writing about anger. And I suddenly thought, just a minute, I don't think I really get angry. I realised what happens to me is I get upset and I get tears in my eyes, you know, I'd cry. And I just told my daughters, you know, grown up, one's um, just turned 50 and the other one's, I think she's 43 or 44, I can't remember now. And um, that's terrible, I can't remember the time. I, I have to struggle to think of what year they were born in. I really can't remember that either. Um, I know it hurt. <laughs> Do remember that. But anyway... So um, I said to them, do you know what? I realised I never get angry. And they went, oh, thank goodness for that. I said, what are you talking about? Well, we, knew, we know you never get angry. I said, do you? So I said, yeah, when we were children, we hated it. You always got tears in your eyes. And we wanted you to get angry. I said, did you? You know, it really surprised me. And so I thought, I've got to do something about this. So I prayed about it. I said, Jesus, I don't know why I don't get angry. And I get upset, always get upset instead. And so I said to him, I want to feel that emotion, you know, because it's right that I feel that emotion and I can get rid of it, you know, make a noise. Like, I won't do it again because it'll hurt your ears. But do something with my anger and release it. And it's so important. And so, yeah, so I've, I had to learn then how to use it because it was, like, unfamiliar to me. So we're shown in the Bible somebody who got angry. And when he got angry... Time to go into it all now. But it was in 1 Samuel 11, King Saul. He got a pair of, he didn't just get one, but two oxen. And he cut them up into little pieces. Have you ever cut up a chicken? Have you ever cut up even half a chicken? It's blimmin' difficult, I'm telling you. Could you imagine kept cutting up two oxen? And what did he do it with? He did it with his anger. Because anger makes you more powerful. It makes you very, very strong. And sometimes we don't want to get rid of anger because it makes us feel powerful, especially if we've been abused in some way. Because we want to feel that powerful because the person that hurt us made us feel powerless. So hatred can also turn inwards to self-hatred. So if somebody did something bad to you, it's okay to be angry about it. And if you weren't angry at the time, we probably need to get angry now. And allow that child within, our inner child, the little boy or the little girl, to give them permission and say, it's okay for you to be angry. Because it is. How dare anybody say to a child that they can't show their emotions? Especially when they're being hurt. Anger is a huge emotion. Uh, da, 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 I'm not going to do that. Done that. Sometimes we might need to write a letter, not send it. Just say that again, don't send it. But write out all our angry words or the things we didn't say. Or just think of that person and get an object and think of what that person did to you and kick the life out of it, you know. Or on the sofa, you know, and get it and whack it out, all that pain. It's so good to get that out of our body. I've said a little bit about vows. I don't think I should say about that anymore because it's quite long. Um, actually, no, I will say about that. Okay, recently I read a story. Um, no, sorry, da-da-da-da, start again. Doctors, nurses, judges and solicitors take oaths. You know, it's binding when they're doing their job or whatever. 
but they can be a really binding thing. So, yeah, I recently read this story about a nun. She'd taken her vows of chastity, of no sex, obedience, and poverty. But she fell in love, so she left the order, and she got married. But after her marriage, her wealthy husband, who had a big business, lost his business. For a few years, she was trying to get pregnant. She couldn't get pregnant, and she realized she was barren. So they were poor, you know, and um, she couldn't have any children. But she wasn't being punished for leaving the covenant and the order. She was living under the vows that she had taken. She'd vowed these things. But somebody who was praying for her realized this because God showed him and asked her to renounce those vows, to say, I don't want to live by this anymore. I choose now to break that vow off. And she did that. And soon afterwards, she became pregnant and her husband prospered again. They're very, very binding. We don't realize. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, no, I'll never forgive them for that? And they don't because they made a vow about that at the time. They made a vow of, I'm never going to forgive you for doing that. And they don't. And that's often what happens in families when there's a big rift and all these people don't talk to each other anymore. How sad is that? You know, but that's how it happens. There was a woman I met in um, a place at a conference. She realized that um, after praying with her for a little while, it suddenly caught, I asked her to come to Jesus and ask him what the root of these things were that she was suffering from. And she said that after she'd had a couple of children, they were both boys, she tried to bargain with God, saying, if you let me have a little girl next time, I will suffer anything. Can you imagine somebody saying that to God? We do, you know, we do other sort of things. We might not do that, but we might do other things. But since her little girl had been born, she'd suffered so much mentally, emotionally, physically. She chose to say sorry to Jesus and receive his forgiveness. Then she chose to give up, renounce out loud that oath, I will suffer anything. And we do loads of things like that. We say, I, I, I will never, you know, I will always and we bind ourselves with it. She went through some more healing. Oh, she chose the opposite. And in Jesus' name, I broke the power of those words. And after a little while, she went through some more healing. Then she called out, oh, oh, I've let go of the control. Oh, dear, I've just realized I've always controlled myself. And suddenly, my shoulders have dropped to the right place after 40 years of holding them up. Can you imagine it? She actually physically, she'd been doing this holding her shoulders up and it, she had a physical thing happen with her body and she didn't even realize until she knew then she'd let go of that control controlling her life and not receiving what god wanted to give her but trying to bargain with him and she gave control over to him of her life in the bible in matthew 5 it, jesus says that the devil is the source of those oaths or vows so that's why they're strong Sometimes it's just by us saying it. Other times we need somebody else to just say, I break the power of that in Jesus' name over you. We need, there needs to be um, more than one of us, you know, because sometimes those things are very binding and um, we need to say it out loud, always say out loud, I choose in Jesus' name. It can be things like, I'll never forgive or I'll never trust men, I'll never trust women. So when we're hurting, we can make those vows, thinking we're protecting ourselves. Some people, I've met them very elderly, who have never cried since they were a child. My mother-in-law, I noticed she never cried. She always got bellyache, you know. Even when her husband died, she just got a little bit wet in her eyes. She could not cry. And one day I said to her, do you think you probably decided when you were a child or when you were growing up, I'm never going to show my emotions? Because she was stiff as a ball really cold and I had to teach her even how to hug she couldn't do it her arms would stay by her side and I'd hug her it'd be like a piece of wood and so I'd say let's get your arms here you know because I grew up in a, that sort of family so it was like and I'd sort of teach her and then I'd kiss her on the cheek and then I'd say just put one there you know and gradually she did it you know it wasn't every very easy for her and so I said to her do you think you decided that and she said, yeah, probably. So I said, do you know you could do something about that now? Would you like to do something? And she went, no. 
How sad. That was so sad. No, she never did connect, really. So, yeah. So let's stand, shall we? never know what's going to happen, do you? You're sitting there thinking, I was just going about nodding off then. So let's do some business with God. So we're just going to shut our eyes. Not going to do anything nasty, not going to embarrass you in any way. I've mentioned quite a few things there. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to come. Lord, you're already here, we know that, but We want your manifest presence, your manifest presence, Lord Jesus, you're our healer. We just invite you to come, Lord, dear Holy Spirit, comforter, our comforter, our counsellor. Jesus, you're the lifter of our head, Lord. You know where we've been. You know what's been done to us, Lord. You know what we've done in response to that and Lord we don't want any barrier in the way of us and you we want to be able to receive from you so we don't have to say loads of words to him we just need to ask him to come, come in your power Lord come in your power to heal come in your power to set free come in your power to restore Lord, come and give us what we didn't have Lord, all the stuff inside of us, Lord, that's a barrier. Or if it's a brick wall, we've built it bit by bit, Lord, if we've blamed you for anything. Don't pray right now. Just be a receiver. Be a receiver. Be a receiver. Be a receiver. Receive. Receive from his hand. Receive from his heart. He's only got eyes of love for you. You are the apple of my eye. You are my treasured possession. You are mine. You are my child. You are my child. You are my child. Lord, come. Come, Lord. We need you. Heal me, Lord. Make me whole. Make me whole, Lord. Go deep, Lord. Go deep inside me. And I ask that you would surface these things. I want to choose now, Lord. I want to choose to let go of those things that hold me. To allow that little girl or little boy be angry that wasn't ever allowed to have a voice. Just be still. Just receive. Just receive. Receive. Don't pray right now. Don't pray. Lord, if you want me to make a choice, show me what that is. Show me the root one, Lord. We don't have to get healed up of every single little thing that's happened to us. Show me the root thing, Lord, that you want to heal now. I just come against any lies that have been spoken over you about your person, about your character. And I just break the power of those now in Jesus' name. Those lies that have hurt you, those lies that have harmed you, those lies that have bound you and I just speak the release of Jesus now, be free now, be free in the name of Jesus in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit maybe there's a choice we need to make maybe we've got a word in our head or somebody said something over us that always said it you'll never be good enough, you'll never get a job You'll never get married. You'll never prosper. If anybody said you're ugly, children at school, if you've been humiliated, if you've been put down, any words that have been spoken over you, just release now, Lord. Release those words. Any cruelty done to us. Any church leader, Lord, that spiritually abused us, Lord. We have said things about you, Lord, that are not true. Lord, release us. Thank you, Lord. More. Do it, Lord. You do it. You do it, Lord. 
There might be all sorts of things happening in the room at the moment. If you sense the Holy Spirit on you, it could be anything. It could be you feel peaceful, you just feel the Holy Spirit in different ways. If you feel like you're all churned up and you're not sure what's happening with you at all, why don't you just come out? The team could just come out and spread right, spread right along all the way. Don't stand close. You need to give people just a bit of space when they come up. Just give them a bit of privacy with that. Just keep with what God's doing in you. Just keep with what he's doing. We've just got um, a little while where we can do some ministry now. Just anybody just sensing the Holy Spirit on them. You're not even sure what's happening. Just come up. There's loads of people going to come. I just want to minister with you. Thank you, Lord. stay where you are if you want to and just do work with God but it just really does something when we step out and we say I want this, I want this, I don't want to live with this anymore, I don't want to live this way anymore, just come Lord come by your spirit now don't have to pray, when you come up I know it's a habit sometimes, we always automatically start praying but we need to be a receiver, that's what we've not done we're really good at giving we're not so good at receiving just more Lord you do it you do it, Lord. Some of you have been really anxious, and it's a horrible thing, anxiety. It's a horrible thing, and you've been suffering that. Why don't you come? Some people here rejected. You've been really rejected, and what you do is you so want relationship, but you don't know how to do it, because what you don't realize is that you reject people with your body language or your, your manner with people long to be in relationship with people and have a close relationship and you can't do that why don't you come if that's you just come somebody here and you had a violent father and the only words that he ever spoke to you were abusive he never affirmed you you've never been affirmed by a father you've never been affirmed father god wants to affirm you why don't you come if that's you why don't you come you've never been affirmed he's here to affirm you he wants to affirm you. You belong. You belong to him. You belong. Any more people can minister? Has anybody else? Has a lady come here? Somebody, when you were younger, when you were a teenager and you came home and you came home late and you were told to get in at a certain time and you didn't come in at that time and you came in late, but nobody would listen to you. No one would listen to you because what you wanted to tell them and you came home and you got punished because you got home late. If that's you, why don't you come? Why don't you come? And you wanted to say, it wasn't my fault wanted to say it wasn't my fault and you were never allowed to say it wasn't my fault if that's you just come just come we'll get round to your somebody here that you didn't have a mother um, when you were young your mother died if that's you why don't you come you've never really been mothered you long for that mothering long for it if that's you why don't you just come just come God can mother you he can mother us he does it beautifully he does it beautifully is there anybody else who can minister some people come over onto this right hand side here 